You know, you've celebrated this for hundreds and hundreds of years, but today I am coming to fulfill this. There's no more goats, no more lambs that need to be slaughtered. I am for once and for all going to settle your sin debt. This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. I'm going to go ahead and read um, Luke 22, and we're going to be reading verses 7 through 23. Now remember, this is leading up to the Passion Week. We, we, he's already had a triumphal entry. He's cleaned out the money changers in the temple because they made it a, a den of uh, robbers instead of a house of prayer. And he's, be, he's teaching, right? He's been teaching in the temple and the show a sign of grace and mercy, even though they continue to rebel and are stiff-necked people. Um, God has given them opportunities to repent and understand the kingdom of God and understand his teachings. And so now we're, we're in the last final hours, if you will, of Jesus' earthly life. And so we're, we're coming to that end. And what we're seeing is a time of the people of Israel in, in the city of Jerusalem celebrating the Passover. And this is what you're going to see a picture of today. Then Jesus came to the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare Passover for us that they may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you there. This is just like a, last week, right? When he was going to get the donkey, he sent the two to get the donkey. If anybody asked him, the master's in need of it. It's kind of this like gospel ninja guy going in here, right? And they're doing these things and just, and, and God, again, it shows God's sovereignty and plan over every detail of Jesus' life, okay? God is in control. And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar will meet you there. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want you to think about that. Jesus earnestly desired to have this Passover meal. He'd been with them for three and a half years. He'd eaten three. This would be the third one that he had with them. But it says he earnestly, knowing what he was going to face after the Passover, he earnestly desired. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they have eaten, saying, This cup, 
that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with, is with me on the table. And for the Son of Man goes as, as it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper. Talk about the eternal meaning of what this means today for us. God, thank you that you're sovereign, you're in control, you've got everything planned out. Thank you that in your sovereignty and your plan, it is your desire to save. It's your, your desire to redeem. It's your desire to buy back. God, those things that are broken, those things that are, seem unrepairable, God, it is your desire. And so, Father, I just pray today that that will be communicated clearly. God, your gospel and your kingdom will be communicated clearly. And, God, you would give us eyes on our hearts to receive and see the grace that is at our disposal because of the work of your son, Jesus. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, You know, I was watching a little bit of a movie with my daughters, I think it was yesterday, of uh, The Beauty and the Beast, the new one that came out. And as I was watching that, I began to think about all the incredible movies that are out there, right? They're great. Storytelling is a great thing. That's what Jesus did all through his ministry. He told parables. It was basically storytelling. In our modern day, that's what movies are, really a form of storytelling. But then I began to think about all the great movies, the epic movies, right? I think about like Braveheart. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, I think about uh, maybe... um, some of the Lord of the Rings movies. Some of you guys might be in that. And for my daughters, it may be Beauty and the Beast, right? Um, but you think about all the epic movies. There is a, there's a, a theme that runs through all of them, all the great novels. And it's this. Something was right. Something came along and broke it, fractured it, damaged it. It was, it was unrepairable. And then someone comes and makes it right, right? Usually involving some type of death or redeeming. Of, of that buying back, purchasing. And in that movie, it was the same way, right? It was this idea that something was right at one point, it was broken or cursed, and then all of a sudden, through the death, caused a life to take forth. And I believe it's because the gospel in the end, and the picture of the gospel, is written on our hearts. And we have to see it for what it is. We have to see that we're broken We have to see that we need a Savior, and the only Savior that God has provided is His Son, Jesus. And what we're going to see is this picture laid out. See, to understand this text today, you have to go back in the history of Israel to really understand it. And what you do is when you go back in the history of Israel, you see this picture of the Passover. It was the greatest event that took place in the life of of this people, the Israelites, And what it was, it was this picture where um, Isaac um, had Jacob, um, and and then what happened was, then Jacob got, I mean, uh, sorry, Joseph got betrayed, okay? Isaac had uh, Jacob, and Jacob had Joseph, and they didn't have him, their wives had him, sorry. Uh, But you know what I mean, They, they had them, and then what happened was, Joseph was sold off into slavery because of jealousy, okay? By the way, uh, favoritism is terrible. Okay? It's just terrible. You see it all through Scripture. 
And it's not telling you to, to practice it. It's telling you, giving you warning signs of it, right? But he, he elevated him as his favorite son. Of course, his brothers hated that and, and sold him, beat him up, put him in a pit, sold him into slavery and, and told his, bro, his dad that he had died, right? And so we see this picture. And then he got great favor when he was in, when he was, uh, in Egypt, sold him off into slavery in Egypt. And, and we see this life that Joseph did the right thing and he kept getting punished like he was doing the wrong thing, but he kept doing the right thing. And by the way, that's a great picture for us today. Don't stop doing the right thing, okay? It may seem like today that you're in prison. It may seem that you did the right thing, but it doesn't seem like God's seeing you. Can I promise you, God is watching. God is seeing you. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't let up. Continue to follow him. And then we see eventually him being elevated, but then Joseph was blessed he was able to redeem his brothers and bring him back and his father in, into uh, Egypt. But then what happened was the Bible says there are a new Pharaoh that came up and did not understand the story, didn't understand, uh, knew who Joseph was. And of course, they were put into slavery. And, and in fact, it says that they, they were blessed even more by numbers, but the Pharaohs hated them even more and put them under more bondage. And then eventually began to kill their children. And we see a picture of that with Moses. But Moses, we know, was saved. He was put in the house of Pharaoh. He was raised up. Eventually, he realized who he was from his lineage. He wanted to do something. Instead of trusting God, he took it in his own hands and he murdered Egyptian. And he fled. God showed up in stages of his life, 40 years with Egyptians, 40 years in the desert. And then 40 years, God brings him back and begins to to make him the leader, if you will, the savior of those people and begins to show him. And then what happens is these plagues begin to happen. And what we see is the highlight of this plague eventually coming where God says, listen, if you do what I say, if you have faith and believe what I tell you to do, your children and your family will be spared. But if not, the first male son in every household will die. And so we pick up with this story, if you will, Turn with me to Exodus chapter 12. This is what we have, the story of Exodus chapter 12. In verses 3, this is where they're given the instructions of what to do to spare the wrath of God. It says, tell all the congregations of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of the persons, according to eat what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lamb at twilight, then they shall take the, some of the blood and put it on the door a post and on the lintel, which is a cross beam, on the house in which they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night, roast, listen, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread, a sign of unleavened bread is a sign without we know eventually leaven is a sign of sin being puffed up. So it's unleavened with, with pure heart, okay? 
bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boil it in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In the manner you shall eat it. With your, listen, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So I want to highlight the things that were required for the Passover lamb. And what we're going to see is we're going to see these things in the life of Christ, in this picture, in God's sovereignty, planning from before time began this event. And we see it laid out. What we see first is the lamb had to be perfect, without defect. We see Jesus was perfect. He was born of a virgin. He did not have the the lineage of man. He did not have the curse um, of man, sin curse. was not passed down. It's passed down through the man. He did not receive that. Okay, And he lived a sinless life. We see the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, always trying to trick him up, never could get him to contradict himself. Even in the end when Pilate and Herod, they found no fault in him. Pilate says he washed his hands of him. He was an innocent man. Okay, So even the government could not find any fault in him. He was without sin. 1 Peter 1.9 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Of course, Exodus 12, 5 says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old, and you want to take it from the sheep or from the goats. First Peter 1, 18, 19 says this, Knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or without spot. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. I don't know if you've ever had to bite your tongue when you knew that you were right. Anybody experienced that in here in the room? If you've been married, you've probably done that either side. Um, Or in a situation where just a few minutes ago, we were arguing about where was north, east, south, and west because directional wise. And of course, the smart one in the room pulled out his compass on his phone and showed us and settled the argument, right? And so, but there's times where, imagine Jesus being perfect, absolutely perfect, knowing he was, he was voluntarily putting his life in the hot hands of evil men. The very fact that he willingly, the Bible says that no one took his life, but he willingly laid down it for us. The second thing about the lamb is that the head, or if you will, the head of the household had slaughtered the lamb at twilight. It says, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. I'm not going to get into super detail because next week we're actually going to be talking about the crucifixion itself. But here we see Jesus, again, this picture of him being slaughtered. I, I'm a hunter. I'm an outdoorsman. And I've, I've gutted a lot of deer. And I've butchered them. Okay? 
And they had to butcher a lamb or a goat. The picture of a cross is gruesome. It really is. And as many movies as have come out about it, no one's touched it. Even the Passover, as gruesome as it was, probably couldn't even touch what took place on that cross that day. But if you notice, even the religious leaders knew they had to get them off the cross at a certain time, right? So it was, in, it was this idea that, that Jesus, and it even talks about the, the earth, um, darkness came apart. It was, it was this time, this twilight, this time between the sun going down and it actually being completely dark. And, and this picture that they, they, were, they were slaughtering the Lamb of God at twilight. It's this picture of what was happening what was predicted or what was practiced in the Old Testament. Again, this Bible is one long narrative to the person and work of Jesus Christ. So it was, it was this foreshadowing of the one to come. The blood of goats and animals and sheep never intended to permanently take away the sins of man, but Jesus was the one. And then we see going on in one of the other things about the lamb was the blood from the lamb must be put on the doorpost and the lentil. It's this idea that you had to cover the door. The door is the entry way into your home. It's the way to get into your life. Okay, we talked about this a few weeks ago. How your your life, if you will, is like a house has many rooms, but the entry is through is through the doorway. It's this idea that when you go in with Christ, there is no tipping your toes in. There is not just putting your legs in. It's either all in or all out. Either the blood is on your life or it isn't. It's either covering the doorpost or not. Exodus 12, 7 says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it to doorposts and then the lintel of the house in which they eat it. And Hebrews 12, 24 says this, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Again, this picture that all of these sacrifices in the past were pointing to the one who would come, who would forever pay the price. He would be our propitiation. He would, he would take our place. He would fulfill the debt that was owed, the wrath of God was owed. It's this idea of paid in full, stepping in our place. This is what Jesus was describing. He was trying to tell his disciples, you know, you've, 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 you've celebrated this for hundreds and hundreds of years, but today I am coming to fulfill this. There's no more goats, no more lambs that need to be slaughtered. I am for once and for all going to settle your sin debt. This is a new covenant that I am going I am fulfilling what my father had planned before the world was created. And it goes on to say that they had, this animal had to be roasted and eat entirely. It's this idea that the roast is this picture of the wrath of God being poured out on his son. And again, I don't want to get into a lot of detail because of the crucifixion being next week, but it's the full wrath and what we need to realize. It was my sin. It was your sin. It's your friends, your family, your coworkers a world's sin that put him on the cross. It wasn't just Hitler's. It wasn't just Osama bin Laden's. It was mine. It was yours. So there's times where we lose our temper. 
Or we have impure thoughts in our mind. Or we do something that's not quite truthful. Or there's times where we do something even more painful to God than that. That's what Jesus died for. He died for me, died for you, and he took the wrath of his father. And it's this idea that, again, we, we, we have the Lamb of God and we take him all in. And then it goes on to say, they ate the lamb in haste. When we feed upon Christ by faith, we must forsake the rule and dominion of this world and its sin and all that the Satan has loosed to this world. So in other words, we take Christ, as, as Paul says, we gain Christ. We count everything else rubbish. We, we count it all trash for what we gain in Christ. So it's entirety. Exodus uh, 12, 11 says this, In this manner you shall eat it, your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hands, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. John 6, 53 says this, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. No life. So in other words, unless we receive the grace of God for our life, we have no hope. And listen, please hear me. We're not here to start some religious stuff. We're here to be authentic and real and find a place of refuge and hope. Man, you sing that song? Been redeemed. I've just kept thinking about my past. God saved me from. I was on the road to destruction. I was living for myself. I was leaving a wake of pain and hurt for myself and for others. And God redeemed me. And it's not because I've been perfect since then. I haven't, but I have the grace of God. When you live for God, you're going to fall. You're going to fall flat on your face. And you get up and you walk toward him. This is what Jesus is telling us. We have to have his blood in our lives. It covers us. The lamb was used more than any other description to describe Jesus in the Bible. Over 104 times. Okay? Describe. 25% of those 104 were in the book of Revelation. The lambs used 104 times in Scripture. And the most used describe Jesus in any other term. Okay? Any other term. It's the word lamb. So think about that. I know we talked about last week Jesus being... You know, not a wimpy Jesus, okay? He, he turned over money tables. He kicked the, the money changers out. He took names. He didn't take names. He just kicked butt. But he, he did that, and no one stopped him. He did it. He, the, the crowd was full, okay? No one stopped him. He was a carpenter, okay? So he's that, but he's also the Lamb of God. See, he rode in on a donkey, but he's coming back one day on a white horse, let me tell you, he's going to be our conqueror. And for once and forever, he's going to settle everything. He's going to make it right. He's going to settle the debt. And what he's telling us today is that we need to realize that we have to have the blood of Christ on our life. He is the eternal Passover lamb. And these are the promises. See, when, when God gave them these commands about the Passover, before that he had given them some promises. And the promises were 
They were going to lead them out of the slavery of, of, of uh, Egypt, slavery, right? Just like we're going to come out of the slavery of sin. And then eventually, he's going to bring out the Egypt out of us, out of them. He's going to bring the sin life desire out of us. So we, we see the Israelites being delivered, right? They cross through the they cross through the Red Sea, and then within, I don't know, weeks or so, they're, they're done with the manna, right? They're already fussing and grumbling. They want to go back to Egypt, okay? They want to go back to that slavery of sin, and I know that's happened in my life where I experienced freedom, and then I, like a dog returning to vomit, I want to go back to that old life. And what God is saying is not only does he want to save us, but he wants to take the Egypt out of us. He wants to restore us. He wants to redeem us. God has something for you, a plan. He wants you to make disciples, but within that discipleship and giving out fruit in your life, he has specific roles that he has, and he's built you. You're the only person like you on the planet who's ever been like you and ever will be. And I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care where you've been or what you've done or who you've done it with. God has a plan for you. And if you follow him, and if you trust him, see, you guys understand how crazy it must have been for these people to think, I'm going to go, I'm going to go butcher a lamb or a goat, and I'm going to put blood over the door, and I'm going to set up a house and just wait. It must have seemed like a crazy idea. And you go, what? The gospel seems like a crazy idea to the world. That a man 2,000 years ago who called himself God and was God and put on flesh and blood and died for me and you, and says, unless you have faith in me and you, and the blood of me covers you in your life, you will not be saved, and you will follow the enemy and the liar, and you will be thrown in the pit of hell with him forever, unless you trust me, and you will not get to enjoy eternity with me. That seems crazy, but guess what? It takes an act of faith. It takes an act of trust to believe the Son of God came here on earth. And that's what we see in Exodus 6. They say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out, this idea of salvation, from out under the burden of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery. I will take the Egypt out of you to them. And I will redeem you. I have a plan and a purpose for you of deliverance and restoration. And then ultimately it says, with outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment, I will take you to my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am your Lord, the Lord your God, who has brought you out of under the burden of the Egyptians and he will give you fulfillment. And this is what he says in Exodus 12, 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast for the Lord throughout all generations as a statue forever. You shall keep it as a feast Listen, the Passover, this yearly Passover only makes sense if it's pointing to something bigger or someone bigger, which we see right here fulfilled. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See, Abel sacrificed the lamb. That was one for one. The Passover is one sacrifice for a whole family. The Day of Atonement, which God will eventually set up. Right after this time, it points to one nation, a sacrifice, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God has laid down his life that, that all should come to repentance, that no one should perish, but all. That's his desire, but you have to trust him. You have to have faith. 
2 Corinthians 1, 20-21 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it's through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. And it's God who establishes us with you in Christ. He has anointed us. He has set His seal of ownership on us. He has put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guarantee in what is to come. 1 John 2, 2 says this, He is the propitiations for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what we see this scripture, this day, is Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament law. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill it to live out that perfect life, to become that perfect lamb who takes away the sins of the world. What's really cool at the end of that, uh, that text in Exodus chapter 12 is this. You see that picture, the, I'm sorry, at the beginning of it, is this picture of that if your family's too small, that you share the lamb, you share the goat with another family. I love that picture. Do you know us as believers, we have the opportunity now to share the good news? That's all the gospel is. It's this idea of sharing that we can be bought back. We can be forgiven. We can be fixed. We can be whole. We can have peace with our creator. It's this picture of sharing. The lamb was shared. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbors shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make it your count for the lamb. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians five nineteen. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. You have the greatest news. If you know Christ, the blood of Christ is on your life, you know the greatest news, which is Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you haven't put faith in Christ, I encourage you, would you do that? You can do that right in your seat. The Bible says all you have to do is confess Jesus Lord. That means boss. Trust in him. And when you trust in him, the Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. Because it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess it and it's saved. So it's this idea that it's not just lip service, but it's this idea that it's a one coin, two sides, faith and action working together. Okay? It's things that we say we love, we treat them a certain way, right? If we say we have faith, the Bible says he's given us new life. Just like I have a new puppy, we have a new puppy. There's signs of new life, right? There's getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's yelping and barking and biting on your feet and all kinds of stuff, right? There's signs of new life in you if you have faith in Jesus. This is what he's talking about. So I want to ask you this question. We're not going to do our normal invitation right now because we're going to go into the Lord's Supper. And then after that, Give you an opportunity to respond. And by the way, we do, a, we do an invitation because we believe Scripture is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we believe when it's preached, we have an opportunity to respond to it. And I just want you to know, I, I want to break down whatever barrier may be up here. It, it's not a holy place up here. It's just a place to respond, okay? Just a place to Get on your knees. And you don't have to do that. You can do that right in your seat. But sometimes there's just, I don't know what to say, but there's just a time where I, even my wife and I, will just occasionally, we just feel like we need to come up front and we just need to be vulnerable before God. So I want you to know this is, altar is always open for you. People standing here will be here to pray with you, encourage you at the end.
But if you need to make any decision, and it may be a personal thing, you just come up here and spend time. If it's something you want to share, you share with the people. You Somebody you need to be prayed with or prayed for, we want to do that. We just want you to know that we love you and care for you. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Lead pastor Rick Nicely will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing His kingdom through obedience to His Great Commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, SpotswoodLS. Now here's Rick with the conclusion to this week's sermon. I want to ask you this question. Are you sitting at the table to enjoy the promises of the Passover lamb? Have you trusted in the blood of Christ for your life? God wants you to trust Him. Put faith in Him. We're going to transition now into this Lord's Supper. and I want to remind us that um, the Lord's Supper is a, a picture of what, as we see today in Scripture, what Jesus has done for us. And this picture, obviously, is the, the work of, of Jesus Christ. His father sinned and he, he walked in obedience to his father. But the Bible makes it very clear um, in, in 1 Thessalonians as you take um, the Lord's Supper, it's important that you do it in a certain manner. So I'm going to read that text and then we'll go into Matthew and read the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 11 1 Verses 27 through 30. I'm going to read that first, and then I'm going to go back to the upper part. He gives instructions right before this of what the Lord's Supper is all about. But it says here at the end of this instruction, it says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of that bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of us are weak and ill and some have died. So I just want to encourage us. I want to take a moment before our men come up here and we serve the Lord's Supper. Just a, just a moment to examine our hearts and then I'm going to close this in prayer and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. The Bible makes it very clear that if all you have to do is first John, first John 1 9 says that we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this great privilege to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper, remembering the great sacrifice your son took for us. He was fulfilling what had been prophesied of that the Messiah would come. A king, a wounded victor would lay down his life, but then he would take it up again, defeating death, sin, and the grave. So now he can give us this free gift that we're not saved by ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. So, Father, I thank you for that free gift. I thank you for the grace that is so richly given to us. God, would you allow us now to take this moment? God, there's... I know there's things that I've said or done or thought this week that have not been pleasing to you. 
and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? God, I know um, there's times where I may let um, some random thought come on mine and takes me down trails I shouldn't go. And so, Father, please, God, help me to take every thought in the captivity and to make it obedient to you. God, I pray that uh, as we take this Lord's Supper, God, each one of us will examine our hearts, confess those things, and enjoy the grace and mercy that you've given freely, God, without found and fault. There's no shame, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that grace. God, help us not to treat your grace cheaply. God, help us to realize we didn't give up anything. We gained. God, your life is so much better. This world has nothing to offer but brokenness and pain and hurt and heartache and destruction. I tasted it. It was rotten in my mouth. All was fun for a while. But it left brokenness. God, thank you that you heal and you redeem and you buy back and you make whole. God, would we never forget that grace? God, would you move in hearts and minds only like you can? In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood and Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. These podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. You can also find a video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.